All right, before the first slide goes up, thank you guys. I think we channeled our inner David Crowder today. What do you think? Yeah, just need our ball caps and our, and our uh, long stringy beards. And He's got some good music. Before we put our first slide up, let me ask you a question this morning. And, and, and I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I will tell you this. I know people who have never stepped foot in this church who could answer this question. I know people who have never stepped foot in this church who could answer this question. What's our purpose? What's our mission? What's our focus as First Baptist Church, Crothersville? Helping people discover Jesus Christ and become His... You got the last word. All right, let's do it one more time. One more time together. You haven't seen it in a while, so one more time together. Helping people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. Folks, that's what we've been about for the last four or five weeks as we've gone and looked at the Old Testament book of Joshua. As we have seen Joshua and the Israelites, two million strong, get ready to take the promised land. We put up a picture of the promised land. We put up a picture of, of, of Crothersville and we said, this is our promised land. We're from Scott County. We're from Jackson County. We're from Jennings County. We're from all over. But God has given us this two square miles to go and capture for him. Not just us, all brothers and sisters in Christ that live in this area, but God has mandated First Baptist Church Crothersville to help people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. And it starts right here. And it starts what well, started weeks ago and months ago, but it starts in earnest next Sunday. Seven days from today, it starts in earnest as we take the church outside the building. And so I've been thinking about what to preach on as we begin this journey, as we, or as we continue this journey together. And, and God put it on my heart this morning. It's not the text that's in your, in your, your bulletins, um, but God put it on my heart this morning to, to start taking a look at the book of John. And you can go ahead and put that first slide up now. Discovering Jesus Christ is going to be our theme for the next few weeks. And then down there, the reason I didn't want to put it up, because down there at the bottom, helping people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. Discovering Jesus Christ. And we're going to be looking at the first five books of the Gospel of John over the next five weeks as we continue on this journey to help people discover Christ. And it's, it's really simple. If you get lost, just remember, for the next four weeks, it's John chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. All four weeks, beginning in verse 1. So John 2, 1 to 11. John 3, 1 to 21. John 4, 1 to 15. John 5, 1 to 9. But today, if you've got your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, turn with me to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. We're going to be looking over the next few weeks at Jesus' everyday encounters. And that's basically what this is. It's, it's, it's Jesus' everyday encounters. He encounters with the first disciples. The encounters with some ordinary people that were in the community in his first miracle. The encounters with a religious Jewish teacher of the day. The encounter with the Samaritan woman. And the encounter with a man who was healed of an illness. That's where we're going to look at. Jesus in relationship with common, ordinary people like us and like the people that we're going to meet. He's going to, we're going to see how they discovered who Jesus Christ was. I'm excited about this. Does anybody know, off the top of your head, we already talked about what our purpose statement is. Does anybody know off the top of your head why John the Gospel writer... 
who wrote the fourth book of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, does anybody know why he wrote it? Off the top of your head, does anybody have a a reason as to why he might have written this book? (laughs) Yes, sir. Helping people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. He said it a little differently, but that's exactly why he wrote the book. You see, that mission statement that we have is nothing other than what the Bible's all about. Let me read to you. Let me read to you why John wrote the Gospel of, of John. Let me read to you, it's, and it's over in, in, um, in chapter 20, chapter 20 and verse 30. You don't have to turn there right now. If you want to write down chapter 20 and verse 30, John says this, towards the very end of the gospel, John says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that were not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in His name. In other words, what John says is you're getting to the end of my book. Everything that I've written is the truth of what Jesus did. And the reason that He did it was so that you can believe that He's Messiah. And by believing that He's Messiah, that you may have life in His name. Why did John write John chapter 1? so that you may believe that Jesus is Messiah and that you may have life in His name. It's good to understand why we're going places before we go there. So if if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let me give you a little bit of background. It's just a tiny bit of background. And, And don't get confused this morning. There's two Johns. There's John the Baptist and there's John the Gospel writer, John the Apostle, John the Disciple, John the Follower, John the Baptist, and John the Apostle writer. Now, I have, I have to go out and say on, on a limb and say that if John the Baptist were to be here today, most of us probably would look twice at him, right? What would John the Baptist look like today? Well, what would he ride today? What would he drive today? What kind of vehicle would he have? Huh? None? If he rode one, what, if he, let me give you a hint. If he rode a vehicle today, what would he ride Oh yeah, probably a, a big old soft tail Harley with loud, super loud pipes rolling into town. Not to draw attention to himself, but to draw attention to his message. And he'd probably have long silver hair with tied back in a bandana, come in with black leather on and a, and a, and a, a, a blue jean vest with a patch on the back of it. And he'd be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Behold, the Son of God takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Son of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, I said a lot of you probably would look at him twice. I, I think that's pretty cool personally. Um, I'm just I'm just a couple of things short of that black leather pants, uh, a patch jacket, long, well, long hair. um, And and what else am I missing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm missing that important thing. That's okay. They, They can be taken care of. John was the wild man of the first century. He was the rebel with a cause. He, he was the voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. And if you've got your Bibles, if you want to go and read later on this afternoon, the beginning of John, the first few verses of it, you'll just understand and get a picture of who he was. John was the voice in the wilderness. And so I wanted to set that up before we read this this morning. John had a considerable gathering of people. 
down near the Jordan River where he baptized for the repentance of sin. John, in verse 35, John the writer wrote this. Again the next day, John, that's John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, whoops, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Anointed One. And he brought him to Jesus. Father, would you just bless the reading of your word this morning? Father, would you bless us as we hear your word proclaimed this morning? Not my words, but your words. Father, would you, would you bless us? As we put the word into action, as we become the ones called to make a difference in the world, in Christ's name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so who is this John the Baptist character that I've described? Who was he related to? Starts with a J, ends in an Jesus. Jesus, yes. How were they related? Mary and Elizabeth. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, were cousins. Yeah, Elizabeth was, was quite aged when she was blessed with the child. And, and she, John the Baptist was a few months older than Jesus. We know that because Mary or Elizabeth was pregnant and Mary came to her when she found out that she was pregnant. And, and John the Baptist in coming in just that close contact with Jesus, leapt in, in his mother's womb. And so we know that at least in the beginning, there was this great contact between John the Baptist and Jesus. We don't know too much more about them other than the fact that John had a really cool diet. Locusts and wild honey. Not crickets, but locusts. John's mission was to point people to Jesus. That's his mission. He was prophesied about in the Old Testament. There was a voice of one coming in the wilderness that said, prepare the way of the Lord. That was John the Baptist's mission, to prepare the people to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And then when Jesus was about 30 years old, he came in close contact with John. And John, as he was there baptizing people in the Jordan River, looked up and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was his message. Behold, put your eyes on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's mission was to point people to the Lamb of God. He wasn't concerned about gathering disciples to follow himself. He wasn't concerned about a gathering so that he could be lifted up and he could be elevated. He was more concerned that people recognized and acknowledged Jesus who came to take away their sin. That was the message. As a matter of fact, when we read these verses here, uh, we read that John was perfectly happy for these two disciples of his to go somewhere else. Now, people ask me quite a bit when, they, when the, some people will, will come to the church and then they'll say, well, we love the church and we love everything about it and we love the preaching, we love the music. It's just not close enough to us. And what's, what's my standard response to that? 
go f move closer. <laughs> I like that. Hey, I may have to change my standard response. Nice one. Move closer. There's a house for sale right down the street. Move closer. I like that. Smart thinking. Now, my standard response is this. I understand completely. I encourage you to find somewhere very close to you where you can study and where you can grow a Bible-believing church where you can serve. That's my standard response. It, because it's not about me and it's not about us. It's about the body of Christ serving Christ, helping people discover Christ and become his followers. All around the world, people need messengers. And so my, my prayer, and I'll usually pray with them if they come in or if I'm on the phone with them. I'll pray with them and say, may God bless you in your ministry as you go out. Never forget to serve Christ. Never forget to point the way. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about him. He was perfectly satisfied for these two disciples who had been following him to leave. As long as what? As long as they were leaving to do what? Follow Jesus. That's very key. That is very key. Each of us must have this as our goal. Our goal is to help people discover Jesus. It's not to discover this church. Our goal isn't to bring people to First Baptist Church. I, I ministered when I was pastor over in Jefferson County for a few years. I had a, a, a lady... A senior lady, an adult in the church, God bless her and God bless her heart. She would come in to me almost every week and she would just pray. She would just pray with me that her kids and her grandkids would come to church. This happened several weeks, four or five weeks in a row. Pastor, I want you to pray with me that my kids and my grandkids would come to church. And finally, after about four or five weeks, I said, man, we need to quit praying that prayer. Because I know your kids and your grandkids. They don't need church. They need Jesus. Amen. They need Jesus. Not because they're, they're crazy, wild, bad. All people need Jesus. And so that's John's prayer. That's my prayer. That should be our prayer. That we help people not discover First Baptist Church, but that we help people discover Jesus Christ and become His followers. So John's, that's, that's foundational to who we are and to what we are. We have to be like John the Baptist who points the way to Jesus. So this little dialogue, John's there and he's like, again, the next day standing with him were two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And we pick up in verse 37. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him. I love this. I love this. Do you understand this is the first recorded words of Jesus since he began his ministry? When he began his ministry at 30 years old, these were the first recorded words of Jesus. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went away and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about 10 in the morning. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. All right, two disciples here. Now, this is where it might get a little confusing if you're not following along. There are two disciples here. Andrew and who else? Somebody help me. John. Who said that? Thank you. John. Not John the Baptist. 
John, the gospel writer. Well, how do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know it's John, the gospel writer? Because I've read the gospel of John. How many times in the gospel of John does John mention himself? Himself. None. No, that's good. How many times does he mention? Hold that answer because I'm going to come to you in just a second. How many times does John mention by name himself? Zero. Zero. Now, let's, let's think about this, Valerie. How many times in the Gospel of John does John mention specific people by name? Lots. 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 John is particular about mentioning people by name. John is particular about mentioning people by name. Whose name did he mention here? Andrew. Whose name did he did not mention? Another disciple. Himself. John, the disciple of Christ, and Andrew were disciples, followers of John the Baptist who came and were baptized for the forgiveness of sin. And it says that there were two disciples. Just go with me on this. If you want to, I've got some, some, some stuff that I can show you if you're questioning it. John never mentions himself anywhere in his gospel. John is very precise in naming the people in the gospel. And the third reason, quite frankly, that I, that I kind of think that it was John who wrote this, Bible, this gospel, who was the second disciple, is he says it was 10 o'clock in the morning when we went there. I, I know it was that time. I was there. I was there when it, when it went there. John says, I write these things to you who might become followers of Christ. This was written so that we could understand who Christ was. The, the first thing that they did was they heard John the Baptist say this. Behold the Lamb of God. They heard, they heard someone proclaim Christ. They heard it with their ears and they believed it in their hearts. They heard it. They understood John say this. Now, several years ago, it's been about 10 or 12 years ago, the Lilly Foundation up in, up in Indianapolis did a survey. It was early, in the early 2000s. They did a survey and they surveyed 300,000 worshipers in 2,200 churches, eight different denominations. So 300,000 people were surveyed in 2,200 churches among eight different denominations. And you, you may have been, we may have been, some of the people that were surveyed, directly or indirectly. Here's what they came up with. Three-fourths of the people that come to church who don't come as young children come because they're personally invited. So three-fourths of the people who walk into church walk in because they're personally invited by someone sitting in the pews. Three-fourths of the people that are going to come in this door are going to come in because they're told about Christ. They're invited in to come and see. But 50% of those people surveyed, church worshipers, said they hadn't invited even one person in the last 12 months. John the Baptist came to prepare the way. He was an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That's our job too. That's our job too. Because you're going to see in just a minute how because John the Baptist invited people to Christ, pointed people to Christ, 
you're going to see that the world was changed because of it. Why don't we share the good news of Jesus? Why don't we share the gospel? Why don't we invite people to come and see? There are lots of different reasons. There are lots of different reasons. But for every reason, you can come to me and say, I've got an answer for it. And it, trust me, try me, prove me on this, as the hymn writer said. I've got an answer. You come with me for a reason why you can't share the gospel, I'll share you a reason why you have to. It's that simple. People come to Christ when they're invited and pointed to Christ. So the disciples, Andrew and, and John, heard about Jesus. And as soon as they heard Him, they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Andrew and John left John the Baptist and they began to follow Christ. They joined Him. They chose to side with Him. That's what that word follow means. And as Jesus is just walking, you know, John the Baptist is there baptizing people in the Jordan. And he says, hey, behold, the Lamb of God. And, and Andrew and John take off and follow Jesus. They're, Jesus is just walking down the road, walking down the path. And he hears these two guys behind him. And he, and he throws a question out to him. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What, another way to say this is, what do you want? What is it that you're seeking as you begin your journey to Christ? What is it that you are looking for? What is it that you are seeking? What is it that you need to make you complete? This is the first question of the ministry period of the life of Jesus. It's a great question for us to ask ourselves today. You see, you can attend church week after week. You can be here in service at 9.30 week after week. You can raise your hands in worship. You can bow your head in prayer. You can even serve on the mission team. Serve as a deacon. Make coffee for the Sunday school classes. Pass out bulletins. Whatever it is. To sit up in the prayer room. Whatever it is you can do. You can serve this church in many different capacities. You can be doing all the things that good Christians do. And still not have the answer to the first question. What is it that you want? What is it that you need? What is it that you're looking for? What did Andrew answer? Andrew had, I think he was kind of caught off guard by the question, you know? Jesus is walking, and Andrew and John are walking behind him, and Jesus says, what are you looking for? Um, 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 where are you staying? Where are, you, where are you staying? Where are you staying? What is he really asking by that question? Where are you? Where are you present? Where is your presence? Where are you going? Where have you been? Where are you? Where, where are you staying means I want to know where you are so I can go to where you are. That's the answer to the question. What do you want? I want Jesus. I want to know where you've been, Jesus. I want to know where you are working right now. I want to know where you are next Sunday. See, folks, that's the question. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you next Sunday? May the 15th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Where are you, Jesus? Because that's where I want to be. 
Show me what house to stop in front of and pray. Show me what person to stop and talk to. Show me who needs you because that's where I want to be. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you staying? Andrew wasn't eloquent, but he shared a desire to spend time with Jesus. He wanted to encounter Jesus personally. He wanted to be Jesus' follower. What's Jesus' response? Okay, so Jesus is walking down the road. Andrew and John start walking behind him. And Jesus says, what are you looking for? Where are you staying? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you doing what it is that you do? Jesus' response, two things, come and see, come and see. Folks, that's the invitation that Jesus is giving to you today, and that's the invitation that Jesus is giving to me today. You see, Jesus is already at three o'clock next Sunday. Jesus is already working on the heart of someone who needs Him. All Jesus asks us to do is to come with Him and experience it. Come and see where I am. Come and see what I'm doing. Come and be used by me. Come and be part of this great mission. Come and see. Jesus was talking about the things that were going to take place over the next three years of His life. Oh, Andrew, you, you want to know where I'm staying? You want to know where I am? Come and see. You're going to see some amazing things. John, you want to know where I'm staying? Come and see. And you'll learn and you'll write down things. And in 2015, on May the 8th, people will come and read what you write down. And they will learn about me. And they will experience me. And they will ask the same questions that you're asking today. Where are you? We want to be with you. All because John was, was, was obedient to proclaim the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. All because Andrew was aware. Some of you today have a longing deep inside your heart. Some of you came in here today because it's Mother's Day and you're expected to be here on Mother's Day. Because if you aren't, Mama's not going to be happy. Some of you came today because it's church and it's what we do. Some of you came today because it's raining outside and you got nothing better to do. All of you came today because you have something in your heart that needs, needed, or will need to be fixed. You have a deep longing deep within your heart. Uh, some of us, you know, Audio Adrenaline, many, 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 many years ago, back in the original one, wrote a song called God-Shaped Hole. And it said, it, it basically, basically it said, you know, people try to fill their heart with many different things, but it, when it boils down to is everybody deep within their heart has got a God-shaped hole. And there's a hole in your heart that only God can fill. There's a hole in your soul that only God can fill. You know, we can try to shove other things into that hole and they may fit for a little while. We can shove things like work into that hole. We can shove things like relationships into that hole. We can shove things like a shopping spree or a weekend getaway. We can shove a new relationship into that hole. We can shove a new job, a new hobby, a new resolution. But in in the end, the only thing that will fit in that hole is God. And that's it. That's all that will fit there. If you have a hungering deep inside for Jesus, you see, Andrew was a righteous person. 
Andrew knew about sin and he knew about forgiveness because he was a follower of John. And yet he knew when he came in close proximity of Jesus that he needed to go and follow Jesus. Where are you staying? Come and see. Come and see. In a few minutes, we're going to offer an invitation for you to come and see the one who loves you so very much. The one who loves you, who, who, who has loved you, who loves you today, and who will continue to love you. Let's see what happened here. As Andrew was called, John the Baptist points the way. Andrew follows Jesus, and then Andrew brings Simon to Jesus. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Anointed One. Not only did he go and find his brother and tell him, what does the Bible say he did? He brought him to Jesus. He brought Simon to Jesus. He first went and he found his own brother and he brought him to Jesus. You see, the nature of the Christian experience, and I am so glad that Brian came and shared this morning. I am so glad that, that, that Brian came and shared where he found Jesus, or more importantly, where Jesus found him. He found you in a place that most of us have never been. Most of us have, have, have that just visiting card. If we've been there at all, we're just visiting. You know, we're going to go around the outside of the corner. But, but you were not just visiting. But had you not been where you were, you might not have been found. The, the Bible, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Andrew, because of the excitement that he had when he met Jesus... He immediately thought about his brother Simon. He immediately went and ran and grabbed Simon Peter. Now, I don't know if Simon was just hanging around. I don't know if Simon was just like on the other side of the hill trying to see what was going on. I don't know if Simon was down in the, the river valley with John the Baptist. I don't know if Simon was, was a two days journey away up in Galilee fishing on the boat. I don't know where John or Simon was, but I do know this. Immediately after understanding who Jesus was, he had such a passion in his heart for the lostness of his brother that he went and he found his brother and he told him we have found the Messiah, but he didn't stop there. He brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. The nature of our experience is such that those who enjoy the experience desire to share the experience with others. We have found the Messiah. That is Andrew's testimony. And that should be our testimony. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this illustration this morning. I want you to don't close your eyes because I'm preaching. And I'm always scared when I tell people to close their eyes when I'm preaching. But I want you to think in your mind. Think in your mind. It's, it's 2.48 in the morning. 2.48 in the morning. All right? It's the darkest of the dark. And all of a sudden, you're laying in your bed, and you begin to hear a sound that starts to pull you out of sleep. 
You begin to hear a sound that starts to, to rouse you from your slumber. And that sound is a sound that you've heard and you're familiar with, but, but, but it's not something you hear every day. And as you begin to rouse in those few seconds between unconsciousness and consciousness, you begin to think, that's the fire alarm. The smoke detector is going off in our house. It's 2.48 in the morning. There are six people in your house. Okay, you got the picture. 2.48 in the morning, you're pulled out of the deepest sleep by a sound of the smoke detector going off, alerting you that there's a fire in your house and there are six people in your house. Now let me ask you a question. When are you satisfied that you have enough of those six people out? Four? Four of them? Four of your family members? Is that good enough? That's, that's, you know, that's more than half. I did the best I could. Five? All but one. Six. You will not rest until all six of them have the opportunity to get out of the house, to escape the fire. Oh, where are you going with this? Hmm. How many people do you know it's 2.48 in the morning spiritually? How many people do you know who are laying there asleep and don't hear the alarm going off all around them spiritually? How many people do you know that if you don't go out and make the noise, they may not wake up? Andrew went to John the Baptist to understand about sin and repentance. Andrew was introduced to Jesus and began to follow him and asked him those tough questions. Andrew recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who could fill the hole in his heart. And immediately Andrew went and found his brother Cephas, Peter, Simon, and he brought him to Christ. Now, as we continue to read the, old, the, 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 the Gospel of John, we understand, I want you to just point out a little bit about Andrew here. Who are the big three disciples? James, John, and Simon Peter. Andrew? The very first one. Why is he not included in there? Because Andrew kind of worked in the background. Andrew is mentioned 12 times in the Gospels. He's mentioned 12 times in the Gospels. The vast majority of those times, it's because of the list of all the disciples. But if you read through the Gospels and you look for Andrew's name, what is he doing other than the times that he is mentioned in the list of all the apostles? What do you think he's doing? Who do you think brought the little boy with two fish and five loaves to Jesus? Andrew did. Who do you think it was that went and, and brought the Greek people who were trying to figure out who it was that Jesus was? It was Andrew. And it was also Andrew at another time. Some of the disciples had some people asking them questions and they said, go find Andrew. Andrew will take them to Jesus. I want a church full of Andrews. I want a church full of people who can recognize who Jesus is, who feel him inside their heart, and then who have a burning desire and passion to go and share that good news, that gospel with people who don't know. I need, God needs, we need to be called. Why? Because Christ loves us. He loves us enough to die for us. Andrew was compelled to bring people to Jesus Christ. We too are compelled to bring people to Him. Why? Because He loves us enough to die for us. And because He loves us enough 
to rescue us. Let's have a word of prayer. We're going to open up the floor to anybody who wants to come and and, and pray. Anybody who wants to come and talk about Jesus. Father God, I, I thank you so much today for Andrew. I thank you for John the Baptist that he prepared the way. He, he proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. He pointed the Messiah out. And I thank you for Andrew who took it upon himself to, to go and follow, to ask questions, to accept you as Savior and as Messiah, and then immediately to go and, and share the good news with his brother. Thank you for John the Apostle who wrote it all down so that we might have the opportunity to come here today and hear the good news. I thank you for this community of believers who have been called to help people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.